This is so exciting. Cash for Clunkers is starting now at Antwerp and Honey. Yes, no. That's worth over $4,500. Yes, over $4,500. And he keeps smashing the window. Whoa! Get cash for your clunker now. 09 Accents, $39.90. Elantra, $63.90. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Fana Jaffe Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Friday, November 13th. That was an ad for the famous Cash for Clunkers program you heard at the top. That's the topic of today's podcast. But first, the Planet Money Indicator. Dun, 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 dun. The indicator is $35.6 billion. That is how much the U.S. trade deficit widened in September. The trade deficit is the difference between how much we buy from the rest of the world, imports, and how much we sell to the rest of the world, exports. The increase from August was the largest jump in nearly a decade. And the deficit rose largely because of that imports side of thing. Imports rose 5.8%, meaning we're buying more. And specifically in September, we are buying more oil and foreign cars. So buying is one sign the economy may be starting to heal. And some people would say that is in part thank you to the stimulus. Stimulus help with housing, help with cars, help with building roads. And as we've pointed out on this podcast, the country is in the midst of one of the biggest economic experiments in history. Yes, the economy got itself into some trouble. And earlier this year, the government decided to dust off an old idea. It was an idea put forth by a guy named John Maynard Keynes many decades ago. And the the idea being that the thing to do in big recessions is spend. The government should spend lots of money and get the economy going again. So the stimulus package was huge, $787 billion. And I'd like to think that at the end, many years from now, we will know, you know, smart people will look at the data and they will agree that the stimulus helped or that it hurt. Um, maybe that's naive of me, but that is that is my great hope. Anyway, today we are going to look at one small part of the stimulus effort to try to get an answer. Did it work as intended? And I think we can satisfy part of that dream, David, because the cash for clunkers program is now over. So we're thinking we may be able to start some of that dissection now. We're going to talk to one man who is pretty sure that he already has an answer. So just to remind everyone, the way the program worked was that if you owned a clunker car, a car that didn't get great gas mileage, you could trade it in and buy one that got better gas mileage. And the government would help you out by giving you $3,500 or $4,500, giving you money to help buy that new car. And the question is, did the program get people to trade in their cars who wouldn't have done it anyway? This is a tricky question because, remember, the idea is to stimulate demand. You try to entice people who wouldn't have traded in their cars for years to do it right now. So this is how I like to think about it. I like to think about the kind of people who might trade in their cars. So the program really kicked in in August. And say I was going to trade in my car in August. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to take the check from the government. That's great for me. And The government didn't really want to target those people, but too bad. You know, you have to. They're going to trade in the car and the program's there. Um, There are other people who were going to maybe trade in their car the next month in September who decided to do it in August instead, a month early. That's also not really great because then you're just giving people money to trade in their car one month earlier than they would have otherwise. What, What you really want is people who weren't even thinking of trading in their cars. Maybe like a year later they would have traded in their cars, but they were not thinking about doing it then. So, David, you talked to this guy who thinks he might know the answer. His name is Jeremy Anwell. He's the CEO of Edmunds.com, which analyzes the auto industry for consumers. 
And he told you the folks at Edmonds had this idea for how to calculate whether or not cash for clunkers was working as designed. Right. So if you just chart the sales, you can see this huge spike around cash for clunkers. And Anwil's team argues that, yes, there was this spike, but there was also a dip afterward. So if you add it all together, the program was not very stimulative. <laughs> stimulative? Did you just make up that word? Is that not a word? I, I don't think that's a word. I think you're trying to avoid saying stimulating. <laughs> stimulative. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm not going to respond to that. Look, here's the question, right? How do you know it was a dip? That's the hard part to prove because you got to know what the sales would have been like without cash for clunkers. So you can say, see, it's lower than that. So Edmunds.com looked at the sales of cars that were not eligible, like, say, a Mercedes. And by looking at Mercedes sales, they estimated what the sales of other cars they think would have been without the cash for clunkers program. So here are the numbers they come up with. There were 690,000 cars bought through the cash for clunkers program. How many were new? How many of those would not have happened anyway in the following year? Here is his answer. I think what we're going to see is that it nets out at about 125,000 extra sales. These are sales that would not have happened if we had not had the program. So we spent three, so the government spent uh, two, three. Two, yeah, 2.8 billion, I think, or, and change. <laughs> That's what they ended up with. Okay. And, and for that, you're saying all they got was 125,000 uh, vehicles traded in that would not have been traded in otherwise. Right. Yes. So it gets very expensive. I mean, you know, it's in the neighborhood of $24,000, $25,000 per extra sale. So his conclusion, Han, is that the Cash for Clunkers program was a very expensive way for the government to stimulate those extra vehicle sales. It basically ended up costing $24,000 for every extra vehicle sold because the other ones would have happened anyway sometime within the coming year. And there were a couple of people who weren't happy with this report, right? Yeah, the White House. <laughs> the, the White House got very angry about Edmunds.com's report, and they put this thing on their blog. I'm going to read it. Busy covering car sales on Mars. Edmunds.com gets it wrong again on cash for clunkers. I talked to Jeremy Anwell about this, and he said, sorry, you know, these are the numbers we get. You think your your model of extrapolating from the expensive cars is, is solid? I mean, well, we didn't just do expensive. I mean, you could look at... Um any any vehicle that didn't get at least you know uh, eighteen I think it was MP, eighteen MPG uh, uh, so there's the whole category or it's not just luxury cars you could look at other larger vehicles that didn't get great gas miles they weren't eligible either and they all each of those extrapolations gives you similar answers yeah yeah we went through this uh, in every which way that you can think of so the results seem solid to you yes we wouldn't have put it out if we didn't think so because I, I realize that this is um, this is really the first math, mathematically derived conclusion on the program. The, you know, all the original, all, all the other estimates were sort of conjecture, but this this one's pretty solid. So, economist Alan Blinder at Princeton, you know, he was a big advocate for this. What's he going to say if I call him up? I'd be interested to hear. <laughs> oh, David, I know you can't resist that kind of transition. Yeah, I called him up. Uh, Alan Blinder, professor of economics at Princeton University. And you're on the Amtrak. I'm on Amtrak right now. Okay, podcast listeners, I apologize for the poor quality of the audio. This is the only time we could get him. Um, Blinder said, actually, though he proposed the program, supported the program, he actually thinks it was a failure because it didn't run long enough. He says you're going to get a dip when the program ends. So you want to run it as long as possible. So when it ends, you're in close to out of the recession. You know, If you just run it for a month, he says there's no way you're going to get a lot of people to trade in cars who weren't already thinking about it. People don't react that fast. I mean, I think of myself. My, my son is driving a clunker. 
that we wanted to actually trade in under this program. But to, you know, I have, I'm doing a lot of other things in my life, and by the time I got way before I got around to actually thinking hard, the program was over. I see. Okay. All right. I was expecting you to defend it. I, I defend the idea very much. When, when I wrote about this program in the in the New York Times, hang on one second. I'm sitting in the other car. I came in here to make a phone call. I'm in the quiet car. Um, I was talking about a program that would last a year or two years, not a program that would last a month. Did he just violate the rules of the quiet car? <laughs> no. I, th- I think he was explaining why he didn't have his ticket because it was in the quiet car where he'd been sitting and he'd st- stepped oh. out to talk to National Public Radio on oh, cell good. phone. Yeah. Good, because I, I really value the quiet car. <laughs> okay, so even the guy who proposed this program doesn't quite think it worked out that well. We called up the White House's Council of Economic Advisors to get someone who could defend it. Uh, they gave us Austin Goolsby. He's actually a professor at the University of Chicago, and he's chief economist of the president's Economic Recovery Advisory Board. And so Austin Goolsby said the Council of Economic Advisors has looked at the various analyses for the cash for clunker program that are out there or the numbers that are out there. And their conclusion is that on average, it resulted in way more than 125,000 cars being bought that wouldn't have been bought for a while. Something like 450,000 to 500,000 of the 700,000 were new. Okay. So Edmonds is saying 125,000. Uh, and we're saying, you know, 400. 40,000 kind of thing. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So, Hannah, Austin Goolsby and I went back and forth, and he says he thinks the Edmonds analysis is wrong. And it has to do with what you might call the control group, if this were, you know, like a high school experiment or something. Um, remember, you got to estimate how many cars would have been sold without the Cash for Clunkers program, right? So you can know whether there's a dip or more sales. And Edmonds does this by looking at, uh, like, Mercedes, some cars that weren't eligible for the program. So say you knew that for every Mercedes sold, typically you'd get one Honda Civic sold. So if 100 Mercedes cars sell, then you figure 100 Honda Civics would have sold. In a normal scenario without cash for clunkers. Yeah, in a normal scenario without cash for clunkers. So Mercedes are not eligible for the program. Honda Civics are. So counting Honda Civics is kind of complicated. But if you count the Mercedes, that should be the same, whether you have cash for clunkers or not. And that should tell you how many Honda Civics you think would have sold without the program. Then you can figure out how many were added by the program. That's the idea. Anyway, Goolsby says there's a potential flaw with doing it that way, which is that there was a lot of advertising during Cash for Clunkers. So it's possible that people went in and bought more Mercedes as a result of the Cash for Clunkers program, in which case your control group is all messed up. And in fact, you're going to conclude that the Cash for Clunkers program didn't work very well when in fact it did. So he's saying that it may be that even though Mercedes weren't eligible in the Cash for Clunkers program, the sales went up because there was just a lot of advertising for Cash for Clunkers? Right. You know, it created a lot of buzz and people went in and bought cars, even if they weren't participating in the Cash for Clunkers program. Okay. Now, the Council of Economic Advisors that Goolsby is with didn't do their own economic analysis of this, but they did put out a paper in September trying to pull some numbers together. We laid out all the evidence that everybody has put forward of what was the regular turn-in clunker rate, what's the regular purchase rate of these vehicles, how much higher did they go up, and I think almost everybody, there are numerous, numerous private sector um, 
analysts of the car market and even just just put the graph up on the wall it's totally obvious that cash for glunkers did something quite dramatic and the decreases in auto demand that have followed it you knew there would be a decline they haven't been um anything like the order of magnitude of how much the increase was so i guess that would that would lead a lot of people to think that maybe the Edmonds case is way overstated. If it turns out Edmonds say was right, would you agree that the cash for clunkers was a failure? Uh, uh, the, to me, that's just uh, you're just trying to come up with loaded terms. I don't think even Edmonds would say that they said cash for clunkers was a failure. They're just trying to come up with well, answering you, specific questions. Right, but like I mean, you did say how much the, did it cost and what was the impact on GDP? But you did, you did I, say I would be happy you know. to answer the question: <laughs> What is the impact on GDP? How many jobs are created? How many cars were sold because of this program? How many cars got turned in? Right. I mean, but but you did agree that the idea of a stimulus is to be uh, encouraging people to do things that they maybe they wouldn't have done for years to do now, right? And so if yes, it turns we're out trying to shift economic activity into the present. Right. So if their analysis is right, that didn't really happen, in which case it would seem like the Cash for Clunkers program was not well, having a Well, you're, you're trying to attach a values label. Well, I'm just saying I'm we have happy, a goal. I'm an yeah. economist, and so I'm happy answering data questions of how much did it cost, what was the impact on GDP, what was the impact on job growth, what was the impact on the car industry. Oh, man. So, David, remember how I was saying, oh, now that cash for clunkers is over, you can just look at it and say, did it work or did it not work? Maybe it's too soon to do that? I, this is the thing I find frustrating about economics. I mean, we have a pretty simple stimulus program here. You know, you'd think there'd be the data that you could look at and tell whether it worked or not. And yet there's this disagreement. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say both sides on this one. They, they do say that, that in the end, there will be a lot more data that will be out there, and it should be clear. Jeremy Anwill at Edmunds.com, he says the, the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, is working on a report, and maybe they'll have access to data that's not public now. So, so maybe that will help clear things up. Okay. Well, if you would like to see the data that does exist, we have reports from the Cash for Clunkers program on our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening. Oh, I don't know.